0: Tristan Wirf's move to the left side is set, and it will answer a lot of questions about the Bucks' future. That and more on today's episode of Locked On Bucks.
1: You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. <laughs>
0: What's up, and welcome to the Locked On Bucks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are your daily podcast covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So please subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. You always get the latest episodes when they drop. I am James Yarko, deputy editor of SBNationsBucksNation.com, finally reunited with my co host, Mr. David Harrison. Of Sports Illustrated's Bucks Gameday.com, part of SI's fan nation. And of course, you can follow everything on Twitter at Locked at JRCO underscore Bucks, and at D Harrison 82.
1: Thank you, everybody, for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or your first view today and every day. And a special thank you, especially, a special thank you, especially to our everydayers who are making this show one of your views or listens every single day. Tristan Wirfs is your new starting left tackle, and it appears that Luke (laughs) Gedecky, just kidding, it's Luke Gedecky, but yet here we are again post-NFL draft, and I'm being corrected on how to say offensive lineman names. It's okay, we will get him right, I promise you. Luke Gedecky is penciled in currently as your starting right tackle, but there will be a competition. Uh, Now, the Buccaneers didn't do what we all expected them to do, and especially what I yelled at James Yarko for not doing in the first round of our network mock draft, at least initially, uh, and that was draft a tackle this past weekend. Uh, Now the move of worse from the right side to the left side is going to happen. John Spitek spoke to the media following the final day of the NFL draft as pro personnel tend to do and had this to say when asked about any potential concern about the offensive tackle position since one wasn't drafted. Quote, it just sometimes doesn't go the way you want. Basically saying that Paris Johnson at Ohio State was their target and they couldn't get him. That is what I'm taking from Spy Tech's uh, comments. Oh. He continued, "I mean, we all would have loved to add Paris Johnson Jr. Paraphrasing for Spy Tech, but I don't want to lose enough games every year to be up there where those tackles typically go. We've got guys we feel good with. We've got guys we know who who we know can compete. Matt Filer has been out there before. Luke Getticky did a good job out there last year. Tristan Wirfs is obviously." one of the best there is. Brandon Walton has played out there and played in a pinch in week two against the Saints last year. Would we have loved to? Sure, I think we would have loved to. But at the same time, we're not going to force players around here. That is, I think, the worst thing to do. You end up taking a guy in round two that you have fourth round grades on and then he walks through your door and you go, yeah, he's a fourth round pick and we missed all of these other guys. End quote. I really love the way he puts it there because it's highly, highly accurate. So James, what do you make of John Spytek admitting that Ohio State Buckeye legend Paris Johnson Jr. was actually their first-round target. They settled for Kalijah Kansi, and John Spytek is now in a rage over not getting uh, Paris Johnson Jr. He quite literally did not say that. I mean, I don't know how else you could take what he said other than, than that. That's not it's not a reach at all. Definitely, if it is a reach, it's guard-sized reach and not tackle-sized reach. Anyway, maybe center sized reach. Do centers usually have a smaller arm length than guards? I think someone in our comments you, can probably tell us the answer to that.
0: You would think probably longer arms just to make sure they get the snap. You don't I want you don't want to short arm the the center to quarterback exchange. I so agree with that. Ryan Jensen confirmed longest arms on the offensive line. Anyway, um so, Tristan Wirfs is going to be your new left tackle. And, and look, this is something we have talked about, we have speculated on, we have debated, we have discussed. At the end of the day, if this move doesn't work, I don't see why it wouldn't because Tristan Wirfs is such a freakishly athletic human being that I think his transition from the right to the left side is going to be a successful one. We have seen successful ones throughout the history of the NFL. I think this is going to be another one. And as I've said before, Tristan works 85% on the left side of what he is on the right side, still makes him a top five left tackle in the NFL. So I, I think he's he's set there. What this does now for me, and I, I talked about this, David, on the on the live episode following day two of the NFL draft, this sets up a very intriguing quarterback competition or er, quarterback. Wow. Uh, right tackle competition, right? Cody Malk, the rookie played all five positions at North Dakota state, but he was their starting left tackle. Could he transition over to the right tackle spot? Maybe Jason light said that he is coming in as a guard. So now you have Luke get who played tackle in college. He's going to compete. Matt Filer, who played tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers before transitioning to guard with the Los Angeles Chargers? He is going to compete. Spytek even brought up Brandon Walton, who I completely forgot came in in wow. relief of Donovan Smith uh, in the uh, in in the Saints game. Well, I can't even remember who started for Donovan Smith because he got hurt in the Cowboys game. Anyway, it's been a very long time. I also apparently thought. In my Day Quill induced live stream, that William Golston was still part of the team. That's neither here nor there. My apologies. I mean, look,
1: I was there for that Saints game, and I don't remember Walton playing. (laughs) So I do remember Mike Evans laying some 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 whoop butt. I don't know if I can say the other version of that on Marshawn Lattimore, another Ohio State legend. But anyway, we continue. Legend. (laughs)
0: Um, for those on the audio side, I used air quotes. Uh, I'm sure you would agree with me because Marshawn Lattimore is the worst. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, you have Luke Gedecky now penciled in at right tackle. That is far from being set in stone. That is, we are going to see them utilize every combination possible because the entire goal now at this point is put the five best linemen on the field. Period. You know, we, we've heard about Malk playing guard. We've, you know, Aaron Stinney's coming back. There was talk about Robert Hainsey potentially switching over to guard. Matt Filer was a guard. There are going to be, there's two positions set, period. That, that's what I'm gathering from all this. Your center and your left tackle are the only offensive line positions that are etched in stone. Outside of that, we're going to have some really interesting battles in uh, mini camp and training camp to figure out the rest of the starting five.
1: Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think here's what I would do if I were the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and, and then you start this in OTAs. Granted, you're not allowed to do pads. You're not allowed to do a whole lot of contact. Got it, but you can still do a little bit, right? Here's what I would do. If I was them, take every single player. That's a right tackle candidate. If you're a right tackle candidate, get over here. You're all going to line up on the 20 yard line. I'm going to get all my pass rushers lined up. And I'm going to start with the best one. So your best pass rusher is going to be first in line all the way down to your undrafted rookie that you know is still on the roster. And one by one, you're going to start going. So best guy's going to start with the number one guy. You're going to put a pass rush move on him. Then you're going to go to the second guy. The second best pass rusher comes to that first guy. You do that, you move on down the line. Eventually, every right tackle candidate has a pass rusher against them, and we exhaust him until every single pass rusher puts a move on every single right tackle. Put it all on film, evaluate all of it, and literally like just tell all the other linemen, hey guys, go over there. And you remember the movie Drumline? Like, go sit, go sit in the end zone. And after, after we're done, we'll 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 stand over each guy and you'll honk. You'll t- you'll let us know everybody's grades. That's how we're gonna figure out who our next right tackle is. We'll figure out guard after that. But every single right tackle candidate, you're gonna line up. We're gonna find the best right tackle. We've already got the best left tackle. Let's get the bookends. We've got one of the best centers in the league coming back. Let's get those settled. The rest of you will sort out the guard positions. Uh, following that, I'm even—I don't even care. I'm putting Aaron Stinney out there. I'm putting—I don't even know who else. I'm putting Leonard Fournette out there. Like let's—he's let's bring him back in and we'll kick him out there. I'm just kidding, but you get the point. Like they just—they just need to figure this out. I don't care who it is. Whoever it is is going to be the guy that they think gives them the best shot of securing that right tackle spot. I will support. Uh, whoever it is. Cause even if I don't, they're like topples and go, Hey guys, David Harrison doesn't like that pick. Let's, let's review this thing. So, um, probably, you know, should've. whether it's, whether it's Cody Malk or Luke get uh, let's just make this thing happen.
0: Yeah. And like I said, if it doesn't work, we've talked about this being a two off season retooling of the Buccaneers, right? So if it doesn't work, now you know you need to shift your focus to left tackle next year when you have a little bit more money, you can spend in free agency, I don't know, maybe work out a trade with the Cincinnati Bengals, bring in Jonah Williamson, uh, and then you can address left tackle and quarterback next offseason. But you kind of had have this buffer year where you can give this thing a shot, and if it doesn't work, you reevaluate.
1: Yeah, and at least, look, if you have a hole at right tackle, Baker you'll can see the hole. You can see the pressure coming and try to run away from it. But we're going to take a look at another definitive answer the draft weekend gave us coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single stinking day. And we're going to do that thanks to our friends over at FanDuel. Correct that pronunciation. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no sweat first bet. Up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Every dayers know that I'm taking the Nuggets every day against the Phoenix Suns, although some of those bets are going to lose. Got it. But overall, I'm going to win more than I'm going to lose because the Nuggets are going to beat the Suns, and that's just how it's going to work. But on Tuesday, we've got the Miami Heat coming in as 6.5-point underdogs, for which I'm taking that line. I am taking the Heat uh, with the 6.5 points. And we've got the Warriors set as 5-point favorites against LeBron James and the los angeles lakers game one of their series i think i'm going to take the warriors but i think i'm going money line on that one i'm not taking points either side on those games of course on top of the no sweat first bet uh that Fanduel can give you Fanduel always has other great promotions like a no sweat derby bet up to 20 dollars on your favorite horse at the kentucky kentucky derby if you're into that kind of thing and it's all done on a safe and secure app that is super friendly to use so easy that even i can use it so there's no better place to bet on all the playoff action then at America's number one sports book, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and you get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks for making On Bucks first listen or your first view today and every day. James, public service announcement. Listen, I am not actually salty about being corrected on the pronunciation of a guy's name. I appreciate those of you who catch that. And correct it but i'm also gonna have fun with it just because i don't know it's just it's how i am this is what because james deals with why not this is what james deals with all the time guys so if, if you are upset with me having a sense of humor then just imagine what james deals with the draft always has some twists and turns things happen trades were made players were pouting and going home but the buccaneers answered not one but two big questions the first of course being who will replace Donovan smith at left tackle The other is where will Devin White play this season? That answer is Tampa, Florida, Tampa Bay. A lot of people call it Tampa Bay, Florida, even though Tampa Bay is not a place like spot. You know what I'm saying? Jason Light was adamant. Todd Bowles was adamant. No one was buying it. Uh, And even though they drafted Servassier Dennis at a pit, That isn't a player that's going to come in and replace Devin White, even though we love him. It's not going to happen in the starting lineup in the first year. K.J. Britt is not probably going to come in and replace Devin White. Devin White is going to stay. He's going to start. He's going to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season. James, was this a mistake? And if it was, was it a bigger mistake than inviting Mike Glenn into your draft party just to trade up for Mitchell Trubisky in the first round? I don't think anything will ever match that level of
0: mistake. My. Goodness. That was
1: poor Mike Lennon. He hasn't been heard or seen from since. Seriously. Um, Like, I know Mike Lennon wasn't like the greatest quarterback in the world. Okay, got it. But he was a good dude, man. He did not deserve that treatment. Napoleon did not deserve that at all. Um,
0: okay. This is this is a situation where I I do think it was a mistake not to move Devin White, but at the same time, I'm okay with them not doing it. And, and I think it was a mistake for a lot of the reasons that you and I discussed, right? Maybe they just flat out didn't get the offer that they were they were wanting. You know, they put all this out there. We're not trading him. He's staying here probably. And we didn't buy it because we figured, all right, they're trying to drive up the price a little bit. Um, Maybe they figured at this stage with the offers that they were getting, um, it was better to hang on to him and try to smooth things over. If nothing else, you're, you just have him for one more year. And then you're going to get a third round comp pick when he leaves in the off season, or maybe they took a look at the Lamar Jackson situation. They were like, you know what? If those two can work it out, we can get this thing ironed out with Devin. He's going to get his money. You know, he he can be the face of the defense for the next five years. Um, You know, we drafted him in the top five. We want him here. And we're going to get this thing figured out one way or another. We're going to get in a room and we're going to hammer it out like men. And we're going to air our grievances, air our frustrations. And we are going to move forward together. So I do think as it stands right now, it was a mistake but mm. let's review a year from now and yeah. figure out if it if it was the right decision by the buccaneers to try to make this work
1: i will i will say this when i initially started looking at this situation and i think we all kind of do this right we all kind of take the lens of like here's what i would do and and within certain limitations the what i would do scenario applies and and doesn't apply right i feel like my opinion on what i would do in the circumstance Applies to a little bit, applies a little bit, not from a football sense, right? I'm not, like, I've never been a linebacker coach, defense coordinator, NFL head coach, general manager, all this stuff. But I have been an organizational leader for two decades. So in that aspect of it, right? And, like, the belief of when I have a member of a team who is very clearly saying, I don't want to be a part of this team anymore. I'm not interested in what's better for the team. I'm interested in what's better for me uh, and doing all these types of things and showing you in their performance that they very much prioritize what they feel and what they want over what the team needs, over what the organization needs. Me, I try to take a hard line on that. I say, you know what, man? I'm going to make a hard line right here, and if that's how you're going to be, you're no longer going to be that with us. And so my opinion of this is I was like, "The, the Buccaneers should have taken a harder line with Devin White. But when I stand back and I look at this, the Buccaneers did take a hard line with Devin White. They just took the hard line that's different than the hard line I said I would have taken. So it's fair. And the hard line they took was, Look, bro, you're under contract. You ain't going nowhere. You're a buccaneer and you're going to come in here and you're going to do your job or you're not going to do your job. And that fully as a, as a free will human being is up to you, but we're not just going to give you what you want because you throw a, a tantrum and you leak this information to gentlemen of a VSPN trying to get your weight. That's not how this works. It's not how it's going to work. So the Buccaneers did take a hard line with them, which com- comes in line with what I think the team should have done. We just had different versions of what that hard line should have been. So now the question I have to answer now is, do I agree with the hard line that they took? And looking at it, yes, I do. I think they made the right decision. I do feel like that they took the correct hard line and that my hard line would have been incorrect. Because honestly, my hard line, if you take the the, the line I was trying to preach, right, which is, okay, you don't want to be a part of this team. We'll just make you not part of the team anymore. What is every disgruntled player going to do then, James? They're going to do the exact same thing. And you can't just cut everybody. You can't just trade everybody. So eventually, with one of these players, you're going to have to essentially give them what they want, and now you've just lost all kinds of control. So for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you make this decision. If Devin White, if if the public perception of Devin White is accurate, which it may not be, let's be honest, let's just be fair here, it may not be what we're perceiving. But what we're perceiving is that he cares more about himself and his future and, and what his path looks like than he is He's interested in being a part of the team. Then the how does he best serve that with the Buccaneers taking the stance of we're not letting you go? You ball out. You know what I mean? You come out and you ball the heck out. That's that's what's going to serve Devin White best, whether it's because he's being selfish or he's being a team player. Regardless, if he comes out and balls out, whether it's for himself or for the team, the Buccaneers win and they get what they want out of this right now at the end of the season. If they're like, hey, dude, you did exactly what we wanted you to do. Granted, you did it out of anger, which okay, didn't have to be that way, but it was. We're willing to pay you. And Devin says, Okay, but I wanted you to pay me before. Now I'm gonna take the hard line because now I do have some control of the situation and I'm bounced. All right, okay, like that's that's fine. But as an organization, what you've shown your players and the fans in the media is that you're not just going to buckle to the whims of a player and you are going to demand that they earn. What they are asking for. And look, we've seen this time and time again. Levante David came back on a very solid deal. Like, could Levante have gotten better money elsewhere? Maybe. But let's be honest, it would have been a desperation check to play for a team that really probably doesn't have much more direction than the Buccaneers do this season. You're not comfortable with the system, the coaches, the atmosphere, right? So, Devin White got a good deal. Mike Evans, we've seen him get paid. Chris Godwin got paid. Tristan Worth is absolutely going to get paid, right? The bu- let's not pretend the Buccaneers organization that does not have a history of taking care of their people when their people deserve to be taken care of so if Devin White feels like he's not being taken care of well that's an isolated problem and I would say that that's a you problem bro so you have to come out here and show the Buccaneers that you are one of these other guys that deserves to be taken care of by the team because again their track record is that they take care of dudes your track record is you're more interested in talking than you are playing fix that track record you have 17 games or more to show that that's not who you are. And if you do, then just as quickly as this fan base and certain members of the media, us included turned on you and said, you know what, dude, like maybe you're not as great as you think you are this fan base and us, we will absolutely. If you start balling out, we will actually give you, we will absolutely give you all the flowers you deserve, Devin. And these fans will get right back behind you, get live 45, riding the horse around Ray J just as quickly. Everybody wants to do it. They just need a reason to do it. Yeah, I mean,
0: Vita Vea got his bag. Antoine's about to get a bag. Uh, you're right. I mean, the, the the Jason Light era, they they will take care of you if you take care of them. And and I like I like your your hard line kind of analogy. You know, it, you're a parent. I'm a parent. Um, a lot of our listeners are parents. When you're at the grocery store and the kid finds a toy that they want and you tell them no and they start flailing on the ground and screaming and and shrieking and crying and and having this massive meltdown because they want the toy, well, are you going to give in and get them the toy to get them to stop so that they learn that they can throw a temper tantrum and get their way? Or are you going to stand firm, stand hard, and say, you know what? No, I told you no. You You have to deal with it. You have to cope with it. And if you want that toy, then when you get home, you need to clean your room, you need to go in the backyard and clean up the dog poop. You need to earn the money, and I will bring you back to the store, and we will get you that toy. Go yes. up. You got to earn it, but I will. You know, you will get your reward in the end if you do the yeah. right thing.
1: And in this case, you need to chase that quarterback. Not make fun of that other team's quarterback after a week two win, and uh, you will get your toy in the shape of millions of dollars so many millions of the dollars
0: uh so how did the bucks do getting top players in the nfl draft well according to nfl.com's daniel jeremiah they did a pretty 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 good job and that is next on today's episode of locked on bucks <laughs> things up here on the Locked On Bucks podcast and Daniel Jeremiah is a guy that David I know you're a fan of. I'm a fan Nick. of. Um, My best friend hates Daniel Jeremiah and awesome. actually on draft like Thursday he was texting me screenshots of something that Dale, Daniel Jeremiah said. He's like, you still going to defend your boy? I'm like, never said he was my boy, but you know, I do think he's the best draft analyst out there and, and I, I enjoy his takes. I I listen to him because he's knowledgeable and unlike other big poofy hair personalities on ESPN who promise that they're going to retire when Jimmy Clawson doesn't pan out as a franchise quarterback and then sticks around for another 15 years. Or, uh, uh,
1: Trent Dilfer is a better draft pick than Edrin James. Or was it yeah. Marshall Falk? I can't remember anymore.
0: I don't know. And then, uh, yeah, who was the Colts GM? Who the hell is Mel Kuiper? Anyway, uh, Daniel Jeremiah always has his top 150 prospects. The Buccaneers actually came away with the second most players drafted from that top 150. Now, the Colts and Bears led the way with eight picks each out of Jeremiah's top 150. The Buccaneers tied the Packers With seven. Just for reference, the rest of the NFC South, the uh Saints had six, the Panthers had five, the Falcons had four. Mm -hmm. But out of DJ's top 150, the Buccaneers had seven players, starting with Kalijah Kansy at 26, Cody Malk at 39, Yaya Diaby. And, And David, you told me this number, and I was a little, I was a little taken aback. Yaya Diaby at 102, uh, Jose Ramirez, their final pick in the draft, uh, 103. Servassier Dennis at 133, Payne Durham at 135, and Trey Palmer at 149. So, David, your thoughts on Jason Light just basically scouring DJ's top 150 in order to put together his draft board?
1: Yeah, listen, one of the reasons I'll never get hired as an NFL GM is because if I was, I would just take Dan Jeremiah's top 150. Say, okay, guys, 150, we're set. Let's go from there. 151 and move on. And all my scouts will be like, bro, what? Like, what? Why? Like, what? Why are we doing this? Um, that's not Because actually, Vontae Mack, no matter what. Vontae Mack, no matter what. Listen, I think what, what this shows is, I mean, the, the easy thing you can say is, right, is it just kind of basically shows that the way that Daniel Jeremiah evaluates football, the way the Buccaneers evaluate football players probably sync up just a little bit, right? And that's that's really the key to this whole thing is everybody, every evaluator, how you watch a player, how you perceive a player really just kind of depends on how you see the game. Like, uh, and I had this conversation. I know some are going to hate this, but on Locked On Commanders, I had this conversation a lot leading up to the NFL draft about Joey Porter Jr. Long, physical, press man corner. Guess what? I love that kind of guy. I love that kind of player. When I watch that type of a cornerback on film, I go, yes, that is my kind of dude. Carlton Davis, my kind of dude. Guess what? He's also Todd Bowles' kind of dude. So it makes it really easy for me to look at a Todd Bowles defensive back and say, yes, I really like this kind of guy. But guess what? That's not Jack Del Rio style. Jack Del Rio is like 73% zone. You know what I mean? He's off ball coverage. So it doesn't fit that team. So when I watch a player. Through the commander's lens, I have to change the way that I prioritize traits. Well, when you look at Yaya Diaby, you look at Jose Ramirez, you look at Servassier Dennis, what do you see? You see a lot of high-energy guys, guys that don't quit, and guys that click and close like nobody's business. See ball, get ball. And at the end of the day, when you're talking about edge defenders, outside linebackers that sometimes fall off, or inside linebackers that obviously are off-ball linebackers and play off-the-line scrimmage, that honestly is like the first thing you need. If you have a guy that's just football IQ through the roof, knows how to cover every running back in the league, but has zero click and close ability, zero energy when pursuing the ball, he's going to fail. I don't care. He's going to fail. That's the way I see it. That's the way Todd Bowles sees it. Why was Devin White at number five overall pick in the NFL draft? Not because he's the smartest football player on the, on the planet. I'm not saying he's not, but he's, that's not why he was drafted that way. He was drafted that way. Why? Because he loves to see the football, and he wants to kill the football. Every single play. Why were we so frustrated with Devin White in 2022? Because that edge disappeared at very, very key moments in the season. That's just the truth. So who are they drafting now? Yaya Diaby, high energy, loves to get the ball. Quarterback got the ball, want to get it. Running back, want to go get it. Wide receiver, even better. Them dudes are small. Jose Ramirez, same type of mentality. Servassier Dennis, same type of mentality. DJ obviously likes those types of players. So does Todd Bowles. So does Jason Light. So it's locked on Bucks. So it all works out beautifully because we love the draft class. Obviously, Daniel Jeremiah likes the draft class. Yeah, the only one of the Bucks picks that did not appear
0: on this list was the defensive back Josh Hayes out of Kansas State, and yeah. that that one still has <laughs> me scratching my confused. head a little bit.
1: Yeah, a little I confused. mean,
0: I think Dane Brugler, uh, in his Beast Draft Guide, had him as like the 84th corner listed I could never find it I scrolled through the corners and the safeties over and over and over trying to find it Greg Allman ended up tweeting it out but I couldn't find it to save my life that was a
1: confusing pick I hope someday we get an answer I'm pretty sure uh uh Scott Reynolds paid Jason he's like (laughs) just give me a wildcat bro they David Harrison has the Sun Devil give me a wildcat
0: they, they saw something, but he, I can't get an Illini. They saw something <laughs> in him. Um, and yeah. you know, this is a guy that kind of bounced around. So maybe they saw the raw traits that they like, the versatility that they like. And Todd Bowles says, this is the kind of guy that I can have floating all over my secondary. Oh, by the way, he's going to be a ridiculous gunner,
1: Uh, and we, yeah. we need that kind of guy cause we lost Scotty. Um, yeah. And that might be what it is. Like, honestly, it just may be a, a late round pick on a guy that has like a thing that he does really well. And yeah. we'll see if we can build the rest. And, the, and that's fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know,
0: minicamp is coming up on May 12th. We're going to start to to hear about him. We're going to start to see you know, a little bit about him. And, of course, you got you know, rookie training camp, You got OTAs. We're going to start to see maybe why the Buccaneers went ahead and uh, and took him. Until then, I will I will reserve judgment. I'm just saying that was the one pick
1: over the week, and then I was like, Yeah. yeah. A lot of people were kind of like, really? Okay. So and it's, I, and it's not even a knock on the kid, it's just like, again, we just talked about this, right? Traits and 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 characteristics and trends. Like it just doesn't feel like a top bulls defense kind of guy. You know? Yeah. I mean, but you know what? We'll find out. Uh, you know what else we're gonna
0: find out, David? Um, how to make the perfect beer butt chicken. No. Well, I mean, maybe you are. But our listeners and our viewers are going to find out exactly what Evan Klosky thinks of this draft class coming up on tomorrow's episode. It is going to be a WTSP Wednesday. But that is it for us on this episode. And we want to thank each and every one of you, especially our everydayers, for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or review every single day. Check out everything that David is doing over at bucksgameday.com. Check out my work over at bucksnation.com. And of course, follow everything on Twitter at lockedonbucks, at jarco underscore bucks, and at dharrison82. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, fire the cannons. We thank you so much for joining us right here on lockedonbucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.